tgirl.com you can enable the Adobe plugins it's free to do that once you do the videos will automatically see it's free to allow them and the videos will automatically start playing for you um, just like that and uh, you can check out me and my friends uh, see that side of me that is you can uh, enjoy the um, the make it a subscription make a donation or enjoy the free content all of the above are very much appreciated I thank you for that um, so you can also check out the Naked Truth and the Living Water Chapel pages there along the left side of the, of the page and get an idea of what it is we do here. Most of the other, the rest of the site is dedicated to the physical side of me, sexual side of me, that side of me that we know exists in all of us. The Naked Truth and the Living Water Chapel are dedicated to the side of me, the spiritual side of me, which I also believe exists in all of us whether we acknowledge and nourish it or ignore and uh, neglect it. So anyway, to pick up where we left off, and just to be clear, for, for me what that means is uh, it boils down to Christianity. Not just pretending to be holy, but actually living what Jesus told, tells us to do. Since it's named after Jesus, I believe that means giving Jesus the last word on any given topic. Um, especially if he took the time and effort to bring us the message that we as believers um, believe and profess to believe that he came to give us. Um, so um, to pick up where we left off, well here on the screen you can see what the passage of the week is for me. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's the message that Jesus gave to the disciples uh, just before the crucifixion when he was trying to encourage them to stay strong and be... Um, and not keep falling asleep on the watch when um, everything's about to go down and miss it. Um, so anyway, that's where we left off here. Let's see. In the book of Matthew, chapter 23. And this is the passage that stood out to me among those verses. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte, and when he's one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. I think the thing to notice about that, um, well, it stood out to me there, is it's why I called the last lesson something like the problem with tokens, or token troubles, or something like that. Uh, this represents the tokens. This represents the people who uh, who are sought out, not because they have any particular um, ability, but because they fit a particular mold that you want to use to represent fairness. And in, we've seen the cases, like I said, with the Senate, where there's only one on the Republican side, only two on the Democratic side. Um, maybe three and then at least the democratic side has other minorities besides black people but it's not much better so it's that's what that's what uh to me this was this says the one proselyte that's one convert you're going they go republicans in this case most obviously republicans because they truly don't care or contribute to the cause of anything anyone of color is dealing with um, not in any good way. So, um, but they will seek out one, uh, Bimbot or whatever his name is, to be their spokesman, spokesman for all things black, or Dope Dicks to be their spokeswoman for anything secretly. But she's actually the token trans among the group, at least looks like to me. Um, and uh, but uh, tokens come in different different uh, shapes and sizes and colors. It's not just a race thing. There are also other tokens set up to represent a group that don't necessarily at all represent the group. They're just meant to represent them just so you'll shut up about it. So anyway, that's uh, what happened in 23. That And this was actually in the midst of Jesus going off on hypocritical religious leaders. That's what the whole uh, chapter was about. So, to pick up where we're at now, in Matthew chapter 24. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. So this gives us the scene for us. Jesus is leaving the temple where he just went off on the religious hypocrites. And um, he's gone on about his business, and the disciples are with him. And Jesus said to them, Do you see the, all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. So to me, the thing to notice there is uh, some people will try and conflate the wailing wall that's left with um, the temple that is not left, that is gone, destroyed, and try to say that this prophecy hasn't come to pass. It was a fake prophecy, but they're just trying to deceive you. If you We went over this in a recent reading, and Luke, I think, yeah, in Luke, 
where the same prophecy is given in how the wailing wall is left is part of what is believed to be a retention wall that had nothing to do with the actual structure of the temple which is the subject here of what Jesus is talking about so always follow the subject of what's being talked about where because some preachers will try and switch it around and change things and fool you just so that you'll be forced to come back to them for clarity when they have no clarity for you it's just to keep you coming back to them and eventually get into your wallet generally so anyway, this prophecy has already come to pass. The temple was destroyed in about 70 AD and has never been rebuilt again. And as I've said before, like when we went over Revelation, if people were serious about trying to kick off end time prophecies and the apocalypse as it's called, um, it'd be easy to do. They'd go ahead and build another temple. And that should, if the prophecies of Revelation are true, that would spark off a, a series of events um, that would be undeniable. Um, if they're true. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? That's one question. And what will be the sign of your coming? That's two questions. And of the end of the age? That's three questions. Some preachers will try to roll all these three questions into just being one question. They're not asking about one specific thing. They ask about three different things and Jesus is going to break it down for them. So try to, it's, it may be, it's a little tricky to keep it straight, but don't think that all these apply to the end like some preachers will try to tell you. And don't think that they apply only to the disciples. It's not just about the disciples that's being questioned here um, and not their time. And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. So the number one message that Jesus tells you to look out for is deception. That people will be out there trying to fool you. And even though this is the very first uh, order of business that Jesus tells them to beware of, it's the very first thing that gets dropped. Well, among the very first things that they neglect to do, forget, and drop as soon as Jesus is gone, like after the resurrection. You can tell that uh, by reading the Bible. If you notice that, I've said it a thousand times, the words of Jesus, the quotes of Jesus end at basically, they're only in six books, period. Uh, that'd be the ones in red ink. That's why it's called Red Letter Christianity. It's listening to what Jesus had to say. Uh, they're only in six books of the Bible. What's called Christianity, but it's truly a whole other religion, Catholicism, picks up at the end, uh, at the beginning of um, the book of Acts, basically at the end of all of Jesus' teaching. So it's not the same thing, even though people conflate them and try to make them the same thing. They're two totally different teachings, not the same Christ, not the same Lord that's being preached. And you can tell that because the preachings aren't the same. If they were the teachings of Christ, the red letters would be extended because Paul or Saul, who never actually met Jesus when he did his ministry in those three years, um, um, doesn't ever quote Jesus and if he does it's a sprinkling and that's because he didn't walk with them yet people will follow those teachings even though Jesus warned us about that very first thing to take heed that no one deceives you for many will come in my name saying I am the Christ and will deceive many so Jesus is saying that's how they're gonna fool you they're gonna come as Christian leaders saying that they're the Christ, they're the Savior, they're the Messiah to fool you. Basically saying they're going to use religion to fool you. Um, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled for all these things must come to pass. The end is not yet. So that's a prophecy but it's it's kind of a, it's a very vague prophecy because pretty much there have always been wars and rumors of wars, if, at least even if you just go according to what the Bible says. So Jesus, I think, is in saying that, is saying, don't think that him coming now at that time was going to usher in a period of peace. Instead, it's going to be more of the same for a long time, and it has been. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And... There will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. So again, those aren't anything new. Those things have been happening since basically the beginning of time. But Jesus is letting us know there, they're going to continue. It's not a period of peace to precede his coming. Although some teachers, um, preachers will call themselves teachers and tell you he comes pre peacefully and prosperously. Jesus never said that. And they'll use Old Testament um, verses, passages to point to that. Again, you're going to listen to that or you're going to listen to Jesus. Jesus didn't say anything about coming peacefully or prosperously. He's saying very clearly here, there'll be earthquakes and pestilences, wars, rumors of wars, trouble. 
then they will deceive, deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. So I believe this is the first question where, um, where, um, uh, this is answering the first, um, um, this answer regards the first question that they asked about when will these things be and what will be the sign of, the, of his coming and of the end of the age. So he's saying this is what's going to happen before then. They're going to be delivered up to tribulation and they were and they were killed just like he says and they were hated as he says. That's why they were killed for their testimony um, to Jesus. Now some preachers again will try to say that this isn't talking about the disciples. It's talking about future Christians who are to come. That wouldn't make sense because how we already have their uh, they've already been through the tribulation and their testimony is what future Christians us are have as a reference. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. We can see that it's very obvious in America now. But that, again, that's not really anything new. Hatred between people is nothing new. It does seem like it's kind of out in the open now in America anyway, at least when it comes to race. Um, Whereas before, it's always been there. It just maybe wasn't as in-your-face, overt, and constant. It's like you constantly see it now. where it's And it probably was always happening before where black innocent black people were being killed or politicians were sneaking around doing God knows what with corruption. All of that's nothing new. It's just that now there's how Revelation says uh, the vehicle had eyes everywhere. I think that's like a reference to the eyes of your electronics everywhere, being able to see what's going on everywhere, and people being able to post it and actually see what's happening everywhere. Um, anyway, so that's nothing new here about the betrayal either. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. So again, Jesus is saying what's going to be used to deceive people is the um, is religion. They're going to use um religious prophecies false prophecies to um deceive people and um apparently it's gonna work and you don't have to look around look far to see that it works um just that any of the general mega churches nowadays or even over the last couple of decades how many stories of preacher scandals have there been just recently the one with the pool boy but there have been plenty of others plenty 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 of others where they preach one thing um, but in reality what they're actually doing they're not practicing what they preach at all and because lawlessness will abound the love of many will grow cold um so i think this seems to be leading up to where we are now um, but this could be any general time but I think it's definitely now I know uh, me personally I've gotten to the point where I've very little patience for um, the nonsense with the MAGA people and I like I said before I know plenty of them but it, there comes to a point where it's like you can't like, you, you just can't entertain it anymore um, so you don't stop caring but you have to cut off the conversation because me personally, I can't afford for it to drive up my blood pressure. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. So Jesus is saying, hold on to that love. Uh, don't let the lawlessness throw away your love or make your love grow cold. Uh, but like he said before, if it offends and it won't hear you, cut it off. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. So that lets us know there. He wasn't talking about us. He's talking about them, the disciples. They were going to go through all these things. And this was all before the end would come. So um, this pretty much uh, catches us up through the temple being destroyed, the disciples being persecuted and killed. Like he said, they'd be delivered up to tribulation and killed. All of those things have already happened. Let's see. And now he's talking about the Great Tribulation. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. So the abomination of desolation, if you look in the Old Testament, that's a prophecy, as Jesus says here, from Daniel. And it talks about when uh, sacrifices end, when they stop doing the daily sacrifice in the temple. So again, this lets you know this has already happened because all of that ended, and you don't have to take my word for it. You can 
Wiki, Wikipedia um, Pharisees and Sadducees and you'll see that the religion they represented even though there's a remnant of it of a branch of that uh, religion um, not necessarily the same beliefs exist today but that particular um, sect of it of the Pharisees and Sadducees already ended. It ended with in around 70 with the destruction of the temple. Just like Daniel said, when the daily sacrifices would cease, they stopped being able to make those sacrifices because the temple was under siege, the city was surrounded, and the people resorted to cannibalism. All of that has already happened and the temple is gone. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. And so, that again, it's already happened. The people were stuck in the city and surrounded by the opposing army and couldn't get out. So, like I said, many resorted to cannibalism. And you can read about it in, I think it's, um, Josephus has, a, has some accounts of it. Um, but I think there's also, like, the Maccabees, and that's actually in the... You might find that in like in a book of the Apocrypha where you can read more about the periods between the periods in the Bible, um, at least that have survived time. Okay, so um, Jesus is saying when those things happen, run. Run for your life, leave the city. Now, like I said, the city was surrounded at that point, so very few could get in or, or go out. Let him who is on the housetop not go down and take anything out of his house. So Jesus, I think, is saying there, don't preoccupy your, telling them not to preoccupy themselves with trying to save their worldly things. That's basically, that was the end for them. The city was surrounded and they were attacked and many of them died. And let him who is on in the who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. So if you're if you were lucky enough to be out in the field when that attack happened, don't go return to where the siege is happening. Run for your life to where it's safe. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. Now some preachers will try to twist this completely to say, oh, this is at this point already, even though there's no mention. They'll try to say this is uh Jesus isn't talking about people who actually have babies, even though it's documented in the Old Testament how when cities were under siege, they would sacrifice the babies. Sometimes they sacrifice them to make the war end. Sometimes they sacrifice them because they're hungry and kill the babies and eat them and even share them or save them all for themselves and not share them with the family. All of that's in the Old Testament if you want to read about it. And I think clearly that's the woe that Jesus is pointing to there, that things are so desperate. And they, they were. They were locked and they were in under siege and couldn't get out. I think that's what Jesus is pointing to. But again, some preachers will try and twist this and add words and things that aren't in there, that are that Jesus never said for one, and sometimes that aren't even in the Bible. And I've said it before, three examples are... The word rapture, Jesus never ever once said there was going to be a rapture, but preachers and teachers and churches will teach it all day long. Jesus never said it. The word's not even in the Bible. It's definitely not in Jesus' mouth, but it is something Paul, Saul, however you want to pronounce him, and that religion preaches. Jesus never said it. But besides that, other preachers will teach that Jesus is talking about Kenites or sons of Cain. Jesus never said the word Kenite even once, even though he mentioned the word Abel, his brother, more than once. So if you wanted to talk about Cain, he would have. He didn't say that, and he wasn't talking about any Kenites. So it, it's another example of people just adding to the word when that's expressly forbidden to do. You're supposed to just understand what's there, and if you don't understand it, put it on a shelf and come back, pray for you to, to understand it. Don't just write in words and write in explanations when you really don't understand what it is and it's even worse to do that and then preach it to other people and make them believe that's the truth when it's not and um that's what preachers will do so there's the rapture not in the bible um kenites jesus never mentioned them oh there's one that i always forget there's one more that's always mentioned by um preachers and stuff that wasn't part of Jesus' teaching but people will preach it all day long Maybe it'll come to me. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. Oh, Antichrist was the third one. Uh, Jesus never mentioned anything about Antichrist. Not even once. Never said the word even once. Not in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Acts, or Revelation. Never once is the word does the word Antichrist even appear. Yet, in that other religion that it piggybacked and hijacked Christianity, Catholicism, it does mention rapture. It does mention uh, Antichrist 
Jesus never said that. Those aren't things that Jesus said at all. In fact, we just read it where Jesus said false Christ and false prophets. Jesus said will come and deceive. Not one antichrist coming to, to deceive. Not at all. So again, you have to choose. Are you going to believe the Old Testament, the New Testament, or the part of the New Testament that Jesus preached? It's a choice, like Mama always said. Uh, and pray that your flight may not be in winter. I think what he's saying by there is... Uh, I mean, if you're in a practical sense and fly, um, if they're having to fly, and in old school it would mean by foot or on animal, but if you're going to fast forward it to nowadays, you would think about a flight, um, an actual flight in the air flight. Uh, you wouldn't want to do that necessarily in winter in some areas either. But I don't think it's necessarily talking about that either. I think he's saying a flight as in having to leave. And when he's saying having to leave in winter, and if you're looking forward, I think the only winter that you would have to, you'd have to consider, or one of the winters you'd have to consider, other than an obvious harsh winter that comes and goes with the climate, I think would have to be um, a nuclear winter. I think that's the winter that Jesus is pointing to here and saying, pray that it doesn't end like that, that the world doesn't end with nuclear disaster and a, a winter being that sense. And if you don't know what a nuclear winter is, in a nutshell, it's nuclear weapons are used and causes a huge cloud that covers the sun, basically, or blocks out the sun so that it's effectively winter on the earth for God knows how long because there's no sunlight. And it would mean catastrophe for much of the world. So I think that's what Jesus is saying here. That's the winner Jesus is pointing to. Because remember, if these are prophecies, they have to be looking forward. They can't just be talking about what's happening right then in their current events, like the news. It would have to be a prophecy of something to come. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time no nor ever shall be so again that's what makes me think that he's talking jesus is talking about a nuclear winter not a regular harsh winter or a hundred year winter or however you want to think of it because those have been happening since forever and jesus very clearly says here it's going to be something that like the world's never seen and the way that that would have to be would have to be a nuclear weapon or some sort of nuclear event not even necessarily a war or weapon it could be something like a chernobyl where i think only two people were killed in that not only because two is our precious lives also but i think the number was around two then and it was a worldwide panic so imagine how if there were now like fukushima uh that meltdown which still isn't cleared up now and which the sea war sea life and people are still recovering from even now and i think that's been like 10 years i think that's more likely the kind of new the kind of winter and tribulation that Jesus is pointing to. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. So I think Jesus is clearly here moved past the time where the, the, the his prophecy here is moved past the prophecies for the disciples, for them being persecuted, delivered up, and um, killed. He's already given that part, that part of their inquiry about when will these things be he's letting them know that's what's going to happen to them that's what's happening first now he's moving on here i believe talking about more looking forward to the actual end times i believe we'll keep reading and he's saying and for their sake the elect's sake meaning i think the chosen ones christians the faithful no matter what label they may be under the faithful i think that's what he's saying here he's saying for those for their sake and God willing, our sake, I'll include myself in that group, um, those days will be shortened. Um, and some preachers will try and tie this to Revelation about there only being 10 days of tribulation. I don't think that's, um, I don't think you can do that. I think that'd be conflating. I think that the Revelation prophecies are something that need to be considered all alone on their own. And I see the video is gone for whatever reason, but uh, it looks like it's still recording, so I'm just gonna keep reading. Then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there, do not believe it. So Jesus, that's, again, he warned them not to be deceived. And now he's telling them very clearly here. And if someone does come along saying, oh, look, I just saw Jesus, just like Paul did, just like the one who was called Saul and now called Paul did, he came along and said, hey, I saw Jesus in the wilderness, and he told me this message. And changed my name to Paul, and this whole big thing that people believe and it basically hijacked Christianity with people following that rather than what Jesus actually had to say. So Jesus says false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders 
to deceive, if possible, even the elect. And again, I believe this is a prophecy pointing to Catholicism, Paul, and that whole deception he pulled off there. And I believe it was a deception of saying, hey, I saw Jesus in the desert. He changed his name. And now I've got the power. Listen to me. And it's what the world fallen then and it's what has survived even now to the point where like i said only six books have what jesus has to say the rest has what everyone else has to say um and if you're a christian you have to choose um so he's saying and that's done so that for the reason is to deceive it's not to win people over to the kingdom although i think jesus i think god has the power to use forces even negative ones and use them to win people over um, and draw them to the light and it able to basically turn um, that darkness into light basically able to turn that lemon into lemonade if you're willing to keep exploring or you could easily just get lost in the darkness because that's what it's set up to do to deceive you and that's what Jesus warns us about and he says very clearly see I've told you beforehand so he's letting them know don't be deceived he's telling you before it even happens and yet they still were deceived Paul came along and even did some different signs and stuff um, alongside the magician I think it was Simon and deceived a lot of people and hijacked the message therefore if they say to you look he's in the desert which is almost word for word exactly what Paul told them and deceived many people but therefore if they say to you look he's in the desert do not go out or look He's in the inner rooms. Do not believe it. So Jesus is saying, if they tell you either one of these things, don't believe it. And yet, Paul came along and told them, hey, I saw Jesus in the desert and he gave this message to me. Just me. And you need to come to me and get it. And unfortunately, people believed it. And again, it lives on to this day. Even though it's word for word, exactly what Jesus said would happen, people were still deceived by it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So Jesus is saying, don't believe it, because when I come again, everyone's going to know it. It's not going to be an individual cameo with Paul in the desert or anyone else like that. Instead, when he comes again, it's going to be like the lightning, where everyone in the world will see it at the same time. You don't have to be right there under it to see it. You can be miles away and still see it. And the way to pull that off now would be, a good way would be the internet, where it can reach just about all the way around the world at this point. Although there are still a few people who are cut off. Excuse me. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Um, so, um, I think Jesus is talking in a physical sense there, that if you're riding, say if you're riding through the desert down the highway, if you see birds circling around high up in the air, almost certainly that means they're circling around over something that's dead or about to die. And that's a good point, uh, a good way of knowing where death is. And I think that's the same thing Jesus is saying there. Watch for these signs to know when it's happening and know which way um, death is and how to avoid it. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. So Jesus is saying, after all that happens, if we're able to avoid the nuclear winter or the winter, if it's not in winter, one way or the other, after all those tribulations happen, Jesus says, this is what's going to happen. There'll be an eclipse, something like an eclipse, because the, the sun's going to be darkened, and the moon's not going to be giving its light either. So something is going to be happening in the sky. Um, and he's saying the powers that'll be shaken and the stars falling from heaven. I think the stars falling from heaven could be aligned with Jesus trying to tell us, look for a particular meteor shower, perhaps, like the uh, Geminid meteor shower, the one around my birthday, or um, any of the other ones that that could be happening at the same time. Look for those as signs also, although some preachers um, say these are metaphors and that he's actually talking about angels falling from heaven. Uh, he doesn't say that. And Revelation, even where it talks about stars falling from heaven, it says stars. And then it transitions and makes it seem like it's talking about angels. So it's possible. But if you're going to go by what he says, 
that's not what he says. He says stars falling from heaven and the powers of the heavens being shaken. Um, which, again, those seem like cosmic events to me. Things like um, supernova and things like that happening and being observable. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And again, so now you see... Well, and then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and in all the earth, all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So Jesus says, this, Jesus is saying here that I think he that's what, the whole thing about the stars falling from heaven and the sun being darkened and the moon not giving its light. I think all those are signs for Jesus is that Jesus is telling us, look up, look to the sky, look up, look up for your redemption, look to the sky, look for the signs there. That's where they're going to be happening um, and for everyone to see. Um, and I don't think he's talking metaphors. I think he's talking, these are going to be things happening in the sky that we're actually going to be able to witness and mark them down as events that are ticking toward the end. Um, and he says, as that happens, and I'm literally looking up, that's why, so that you can look up and see as he's coming, as it says, on the clouds. So again, you notice we've already, he's gone through all these prophecies about the disciples being delivered up and persecuted and killed. He's um, talked about the gospel being preached everywhere. He's talked about the one coming to deceive and say, "He, hey, I saw Jesus in the desert." So past all of that, now we're gotten, we've gotten all the way to the second coming, where he's coming again on the clouds. And the thing I think to notice and not to overlook is that if you're gonna try and uh, make sense of this and Revelation, then notice that he didn't say anything about any trumpets being blown, any bowls being poured out any um any uh, vials being poured out none of that no seven bowls no seven trumpets no seven vials none of that none he didn't mention any of that at all and if you at best you could try to align the events that he said with the four horsemen as they're called of the apocalypse um the war the famine the pestilence um i forget what the fourth one is but you could try and align it with the different things he said here but just no that's not what he said and he could have just said it in plain English like that if he wanted to, or Hebrew or Aramaic, whatever the case may be, you know what I'm saying. He could have, but he didn't. He didn't say, these will be angels falling to the earth trying to deceive you and get you pregnant, as some preachers will teach it, that suddenly the angels are going to fall from heaven and try to start making a race of giants like they did already in the Old Testament and brought about the flood. I mean, it's possible, but Jesus didn't say any of that and he will send his angels so now see if he were talking about angels before even if they were fallen angels he could have just said that here he's very clearly saying angels so let's take jesus at what he at his word and what he says and what he says is now he's talking about the angels and he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds so there's the trumpet being mentioned nothing about seven trumpets and vials and bowls being poured out one great sound of a trumpet right here. That's where he mentions a trumpet. And like I said, if you want to mention that, of the number of them or all the other ones that are mentioned in Revelation, he could have. And that's not to say the Revelation isn't true. It's just to say um, it doesn't align with what Jesus said in the Gospels. And if you're going, and the Gospels at least have two witnesses between the four books on most generally, uh, generally on most of the things Jesus had to say. Um, so anyway, he's saying at that point, then Jesus will come, then the trumpet will sound, then the people will be gathered, and who's going to do the gathering? It's the angels. It's going to be his own angels sending them out to gather them. Nothing about being raptured up into the sky, nothing about meeting Jesus in the clouds, none of that. He's saying the angels are going to gather them, and he's saying they're going to gather from the four winds. So it's not like you're going to have to come to him. The angels are going to be doing the gathering. So some preachers will try and say you're going to be delivered up to a council and tribulation to give your testimony. No. Jesus says he's going to come, send out the angels, and gather his elect. That means the chosen ones, as or plain English Christians, or the faithful. Because like I said before, whether you're under, no matter what your belief system is, no matter what role you play in life, I believe we're all here to fill, fulfill whatever play, act, script God 
has uh, written for us to do. And the only free will choice we really have is which way we'll do it, whether we'll cast our nets on the right side of the boat or whether we'll cast it on the wrong side of the boat, which path we'll take, we'll take with any given decision that comes along. Um, anyway, that's what I believe. And um, so Jesus is saying very clearly, that's when it's going to happen. That's when the trumpet will happen. And even though they say you won't necessarily be able to hear all those trumpets mentioned, mentioned in Revelation, Jesus didn't mention all those trumpets. And when he has mentioned the trumpet, he says there's going to be a great sound of it. So it will be something that's audible. So don't let preachers who... Don't let people fool you or deceive you. Remember, that's Jesus' main message. And he's saying he told us before it even happens. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. So Jesus is saying now, here's what you can learn from nature. When its branches already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you can check out a fruit tree. It might be barren most of the year, but once the leaves appear, apparently you know right behind that fruit are on the way so you also when you see all these things know that it is near at the very doors so some preachers will try and twist this to say this is what he means by the generation of the fig tree that's not what he means at all he just said very clearly learn from the fig tree and the thing that you learn is how to watch for the signs to know when the fruit are on the way when what season it is and what season it's in and when it's barren know know those things and learn that from the fig tree and he's saying similarly watch for the signs that he just gave about them being persecuted about them being delivered up about them being killed about the temple being destroyed and not one stone upon another he says look for those different signs basically over the millennia now because it's been two thousand years just about um and know that those different things are meant to happen, but to know when it's at the door, he says, know that it's at the door when you see Jesus on the clouds and the angels uh, gathering the elect. That's when you'll know the end is near. Surely I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away to all these things take place. So Jesus is saying that this generation, I think he's saying this generation of humanity, this era of time this uh thousands of years period of people walking the earth it's not gonna pass away until the words the prophecies he's given um take place heaven and earth will pass away but my words will by no means pass away so jesus is saying his words are just that sure that um they can count on that we as christians can count on them and like i said before I've been tested in that with the whole asking you shall receive and then not receiving the things I asked for, particularly when it comes to things like, and just off the top of my head, the healing from my mother with the Christian, um, with the cancer and all of that. But um, at any rate, Jesus is saying his words are sure and we can stand on them. Um, so, uh, and like I said already, some of these prophecies have already happened, even though some churches will try to twist them you can't you can't deny the temple was destroyed the temple was surrounded and destroyed the religion did end and there's no temple there now but at that day and hour no one knows not even the angels of heaven but my father only so that lets us know that there are some things even jesus didn't know even though uh, we like to think of god as being all-knowing and god is and jesus as one i think jesus is letting us know they are but in the sense of while jesus is walking the earth it's a different it's a separation it's a very real difference between uh his role when he's up here and when he's looking on from above or from that dimension but as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So now Jesus is giving us an, an example. You know, like people will say the Bible is full of types. As in, oh, the things that happen in the Old Testament are just so you'll know them when they happen in the New. That doesn't sound like any reality to me. That sounds like fiction um, that someone made up. So I wouldn't take it that take it as that. I don't think that's what it's meant as. But here Jesus is giving us an example of what those things that happened in the Old Testament were for. He's saying just like before the flood, because that's who Noah is, the Noah is he's referring to here, the Noah who sur who uh, survived the great flood. He's saying so just like in that time. Uh, for as in the days of Noah, before the for as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving, in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. 
So Jesus is saying here that just like before the flood came, people were paying it no attention, doing what they wanted to do, living life, uh, and living it up, doing the whole activities of daily living and paying no attention to any existence beyond the one they experience every day. Nothing about the hereafter, nothing about God, nothing focused on that. And he's saying, yeah, and they did that just like that back when Noah was around. Uh, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So he's saying, yeah, they walked in their own ways doing their own thing until that flood came and wiped them out. And only a few were saved. And he's saying the same thing is going to happen at the end. Only a few are going to be saved because people are going to be going about their business, doing their own thing, not worried about God, the hereafter, or anything like that. It's not going to be in their thoughts. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. So Jesus is saying people will be even, even that close, working two together in the same field. And even though they're that close in the same field, one's going to be saved and uh, one's going to be taken and the other left. And if you're using the, if we use the example that he just gave of Noah, the ones that were taken were dead. And the ones that were left were the survivors. So it's the ones left behind who um, Jesus is pointing to as the elect, as the saved ones, not the ones who are taken, not the ones who are raptured away, not at all, the ones who are left. Uh, but then again, he's going to gather up his elect from the four winds, he says, from the farthest part of earth to the farthest part of heaven. So, um, but if he's coming, that means he's coming to here. So it's not taking them to go somewhere else. So yeah, to, if you're going to use the Noah example, and that's the closest one to this passage, then you'd have to be talking about the ones that are taken are the ones that are taken to destruction, like the ones during the flood. And um, two women will be uh, grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. So even women will be working that closely together on food, because that's what you do at a mill. You grind food generally. Um, but he's saying, even working that closely together, one will be taken and the other will be left. And in the book of Luke, one of my favorite passages, maybe my whole fav favorite passage in the whole Bible, and the most under-taught, under-read, under-preached passage in the Bible, which would set so many people free, is refers to this whole time of the end where Jesus gives the prophecy that toward the end, uh, at the end, in those days, two men will be one in one bed. One will be taken and the other will be loved. And people totally overlook that Jesus is saying same-sex relations are going to be happening at the end. And that's not what's going to be the determinant of whether you make it into heaven or whether you go to hell. It's not what's going to be determined whether you're going to be the one that's taken and the one that's left. Because they're going to be together in the same bed, as Jesus said. And as he said here, they'll be in the same field. One will be taking the other left. They'll be grinding at the mill. One will be taking the other left. So don't let that, um, don't let bad religion drill that into your head when it's not what Jesus said. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. So Jesus is saying again here, he doesn't even know the time of the end. Only God does. So if he doesn't even know it, then don't think that we're going to know it. But instead, watch. Instead, watch for these signs. Watch for the buildup um, toward the end. Um, and know that that's when our Lord is coming. But know this, that the, if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allow his house to be broken into. So that Jesus is saying it'd be just basic common sense that if you're a homeowner or even a, whatever your case may be, if you live someplace in your apartment, your house, your home, whatever it is, your space, if you knew that if somebody told you, hey, your house is going to get broken into and you knew what hour that was going to happen, what time it was going to happen, you'd be ready. Uh, whether that means confronting the person or clearing out before then if you don't want to confront the person or having the police on hand ready to get them or setting up cameras or whatever the case may be. If you know the danger is there and are warned by it, you generally prepare yourself and i know that's foreign to this generation because we know the danger of covid is out there and yet people are arguing whether you should put a mask on or not even though the one who is telling them not to put a mask on is allegedly laying up in the hospital now and like i said before i believe he's already gone i've even seen him come to me in a dream i believe our president is gone and i think he's gone days ago but i could be wrong but anyway what he's saying here um if you know the danger is there and someone warns you the danger is there, take warning. Take 
beware and take cover. And he's saying the same thing there. If you know what time your house is going to be broken into, however you decide to confront that, be ready. Therefore, you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour. I'm pretty sure that's the next word. At an hour you do not expect. So he's saying it's going to be just that suddenly. That saying as a thief in the night. That's what Jesus is saying. Just as suddenly as someone breaking into your house when you don't expect it. That's how the end is going to be. It's going to be just like that. It's going to be sudden. It's going to be no time to go gather your luggage or pack a bag. It's going to be, that's going to be the moment right then. And I don't think necessarily he's talking about one moment in time where everybody's going to face that. I think maybe even he's talking about even a judgment day individually for each person. Maybe even as they pass away. Maybe even before then, along the way, the things we say and do. But I think for sure, um, he's always talking about one big judgment day um, as far as the second coming when who's, whoever's around at that point will be divided, the lambs from the goats. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master may rule over his household to give them food in due season? So Jesus is saying, who is who are the faithful? Not just people who call themselves Christian, but they're just Christian in name only. Not just those who thump a Bible but never read it. But who are those who are actually the faithful servants? Hearing and heeding, sharing and reading. Who's actually doing that? Passing out the message and sharing it when it's needed to be shared. Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. So Jesus is saying to be blessed, share what he has to say. Share it with the world. That's what we're called to do. That's the whole point of really, um, of um, that's supposed to be the point of these evangelicals. To evangelize, go out there to the masses, go ye therefore and gather whoever you can into the kingdom. Let them know there's a gathering coming. That's not what it, then they are anything Jesus had to say. And it's shameful. It gives Christianity a very, very, very bad name around the world. But it's it's bad. Anyway, so he's saying, blessed are those people who are actually doing what he tells us to do. What he tells us to do. Surely I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. So Jesus is saying, if you, do, if you are that faithful servant who does what he tells you to do while you're here when he comes again he's going to make you rule over even more his goods his kingdom because remember jesus says um a kingdom is set up for all those who make it there not necessarily just his but if that evil servant says in his heart my master's delaying his coming so jesus is saying if you count on oh things are gonna be just like they always were the world's still spinning the sun still rises winter and summer just like how people who think it's okay to pollute the air the water the land because they read genesis and think oh after the flood jesus said or god says that there'll always be winter and summer cold and heat Yes, it does say that, but it doesn't say we're going to be here to enjoy it. And if people keep it up the way it is, what water are you going to drink if it's not healthy? What air are you going to breathe if it's not healthy? Um, so, and this is that same thinking of thinking, all oh, things are all, have always been this way. Nothing's going to change. That's what Jesus is warning us about, that complacent spirit of thinking. And he says it's actually evil to be like that, thinking, oh, I got time. The world's still spinning and I'm still around. I can keep doing whatever it is I'm doing. Jesus is saying that's the wrong way to think and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards. So not only do you stop uh, paying attention to what you're supposed to pay attention to, but you start picking up bad habits like eating, uh, like being a gluttonous pig and um, a drunken fool and fighting and stuff. Nothing good. The master of the servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him and an hour that he's not aware of. So, and I say drunken fool, I don't mean people who are dealing with alcoholism. I mean people who are going out, getting drunk, and acting a fool, and then thinking, oh, cool, rinse and repeat. That sort of behavior is a totally different story. And um, people who are dealing with alcoholism, that's a totally different story. That's a sickness. But people who are just drunken, rowdy, and looking for brawls, that's a whole different story altogether. So, And that's what Jesus is pointing to. If you neglect the big picture of what your soul is supposed to be pursuing, what your life is supposed to be about, and instead decide to start 
just hanging out, partying it up, like the Rose Garden Party, the super spreader event. You know 200,000 people are, have died, at least 200,000 Americans, and at least a million people around the world. And you think now's the time to have a Rose Garden Party with no masks and make it a super spreader event. That same mentality, thinking, whatever, it's not going to get you. It's that same mentality that Jesus is warning about, that complacency. And people may be tired of Corona and other people have said it. It's not tired yet. It's still out there. And be foolish to act as if it's gone. And we'll cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There should be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And um, honestly, I think part of that is what coronavirus is about. It's about cutting into and dividing the sheep from the goats and making people face the music particularly people in power because a lot of what's going on now has been set up by people who are paid in power to respond better than they are and that goes for the politicians in response to COVID but that also goes to the police departments around the country who are paid held in high esteem given all kinds of honors to do what to uphold the law but instead we see video after video of police who are paid to stand around and watch while one of them murders an innocent civilian we and we see that happen again and again and no justice and we wonder uh no uh equal justice i should say because like i said if you search even orlando five or six years ago there was a a, a one of our white brothers and sisters being mistreated by the police he wasn't killed he was actually doing the wrong thing and there's video of it and the police didn't kill him the police just need him and did him physical injury immediately immediately there were repercussions that policeman paid with his job i think he might have been facing charges and the person who he assaulted as they called it an assault got all his charges dropped even though there's video of him misbehaving even in custody and he got paid he was given a settlement and that's just not what happens when you're black in america and there's just no way of reconciling those two things and that's just one example there are others there's um uh, so there's just no way of saying it's a fair and just system uh, the one thing to say is that it's time for an overhaul uh, from the top to the bottom so anyway that ends this reading i appreciate you checking out with me hope it was a blessing for you and that you'll join me again it's monday so it's matthew where we just went over wednesdays we go over the books of uh, luke and john and i think we just finished the book of john so just luke on Wednesdays and then Saturday nights after midnight, early Sunday morning, we have our grab bag reading where we're going to pick up in the Gospel of Nicodemus, a, a book that didn't make it into the Bible, also known as the Acts of Pilate, basically giving lots of details that happened behind the scenes or even right there in front, but just weren't included in the Bible for whatever reason. So anyway, again, thanks for checking it out with me. And in the meantime, I hope you stay safe. Wash your hands, wear your mask, love your neighbor. God bless you and thanks again. Peace.